Welcome to the Life Church St. Peter's Message of the Week. We hope you're encouraged by today's message and encounter God's heart through it. To find out more about us, visit lifechurchstpeters.com. Really are thrilled you're here. And I think uh, our prayer representing just the, the family here, our desire is that you encounter Jesus this morning, that you would feel him, experience him, understand him, and then you would know how much he loves you. Um, it, it's... Sometimes you, know, you walk into a church, and I have a good friend of mine who is a, a pastor for years, and he said just sometimes when you walk into a church the first time, either one, it's not your church, or two, you're not used to church. He said it's kind of like how you feel when you walk into somebody else's family reunion. Everybody knows their names, they all have their stories, and you walk in and you're like, should I just sit down? Do I stand up? Do I talk? Do I walk? Do I give? Do I, what do I do? And so... Uh, we, we do understand at times walking into a church for a first, second time, it can feel so awkward, but I just want to encourage you, Jesus knows your name. You're welcome here, and I just pray that you just relax. And then, I'm gonna, As we open the word for just a few minutes, we're not going to take a long, long time this morning. In Jesus' name. We believe in Christmas miracles. It happens. You know, we're all about that. Um, but this morning, you would, just, you would feel the love of God. That Jesus actually cares about you, and he's interested in you. Not just in the years to come, not just, you know, thank God I'm still breathing, but today, that you could hear his voice and, and tangibly feel what he has for you. Amen? Amen. 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 Can, yes? Oh. Is that, is that what you're looking for? It's like... <laughs> I spend so much money on my clothes, you know. Was that really bothering you? There, there was a Sunday. There was a Sunday. I actually, I misbuttoned my shirt on purpose just so that people would, so this could be that message again, to say how easily we're distracted. So Katie, thank you for, I owe you 20 bucks later. So my message this morning is how easily we're distracted by things we're distracted by gifts, by presents, by Christmas trees, when really, it's all about Jesus, isn't it? Thank you, Katie. God bless you. What, Lion's Choice, Red, Red Robin. Thank you. I, I just, I can always count on her. She's perfect in every way. Santa's little elf. I mean, in a, in a good way, height-wise. Yes, 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 we played a... Oh, okay, I, this is not going to be an inside joke. Recently, my beautiful wife and I were over at some friends' houses. There's four or five couples, and we're playing teams. And you, we counted off one, two, one, two, one, two. So everybody had a number, right? And you know what team you're on. One, two, one, two, one, two. Katie was on my team. Probably a third of the way through the night, she said, stop talking. And I'm like, I'm on your team. And she went, Oh. <laughs> So I guess I was a valued member. <laughs> this morning, flap up, we're on the same team. Where was I going? <laughs> and yes, but not too quick. Push the pause button. Not too quick. Take your foot off the gas. This morning, obviously, I, I want to uh, just step into the, the moment of the season and uh, touch on it. it it's, it's American. I, I, like I said, I love Christmas time. I, I love most of what happens. When we uh, 
as Americans, this is, this is our big time of year where our economy goes nuts, things happen. Um, so what I was thinking about this week is, Lord, what, what is it? What is it that makes, for me, Christmas so special? What is it that I love so much about it? And what do I think of this time of year? What, what are my senses overwhelmed with? And so I just started, it took me about just three minutes. When I think about um, Christmas in America, what overwhelms my senses for the, probably from the day after Thanksgiving up until Boxing Day? That's right, we lived in England. Um, December 26th. What is it that kind of saturates our world? And I thought, for, for many people, if you just ask somebody off the street, oh, when you think, what do you think about Christmas? They say, baby Jesus in a manger. Anybody think that they might say that? Baby Jesus in a manger. What other things overwhelm our senses? Thoughts of presents. My wife, she's a gift lover. She gives good gifts, but she loves presents. It can be an eraser. It can be a big gulp. It could be a paperclip. It could be a diamond, you know, a hair scrunchie, whatever those are. Uh, she just loves presents, and it's Christmas, it's presents. Other times you think of Christmas, and you're just overwhelmed by new car sales, interest rate offers, cash back on Dodge Rams and F-150s. That's all I see, and I, I'm not a pickup guy. I don't want a pickup. I mean, you can give me one, sure, but I'm not a pickup guy. But everything is cash back on pickup trucks. What, what about Nissans? You don't get any money back on Nissans this time. I don't understand that. When I think of Christmas, I think of food. I think of Christmas cookies. I think of fruit pies. And I think of unwanted people, unloved people who serve pumpkin pie. You know, if you don't like the people who are invited, if Uncle Eddie is coming over, give him a pumpkin pie. Let him know how you feel. It communicates. Candy canes. Unfortunately, thoughts of credit cards and how much more can I spend? Family traditions, driving up and down the highways, trying to keep every family member happy. Grandma, Aunt Susie, you know, Uncle, no, I wasn't, yeah, Uncle Bob, that's the right one. I was going to say Aunt Bob, that doesn't work. It shouldn't work. Our, our first five years of marriage, we were up and down Highway 79 to Louisiana, Missouri, and Troy, and trying to run to my mom's house, and I'm trying not to eat at my mother-in-law's house and trying to eat at my mother's house because I enjoy Christmas food. But family traditions and all that happens. What? No, if you ate, you wouldn't... I'm not... Am I lying? No, no I'm not lying. I... <laughs> You know, if you like a good cardboard with gravy, yeah, I don't know. I eat light early, heavy later. Christmas trees, driving around seeing lights, going to the uh, Dames Park or whatever, and you're looking, it's Christmas, it's time. Family coming together, kids coming in flights, grandma coming in on flights, watching for travel conditions, Christmas. Family, Chris, family members that are gone. Grandma's lost. Mom's not here anymore. There's a church down on, off of Bryan. I, I was so blessed. My wife and I were out driving last night. and At first it struck me as kind of Debbie Downer. But they, they, they had special service for Christmas blue. That's what I said. Blue Christmas. Instead of white Christmas. Because so many times with the holidays associated with loss. First Christmas where the dad's gone, mom's gone, grandma's gone. 
And I was talking to a, a, a lovely woman, a close friend of my wife and I this week, and she's just saying, no, this, this is not, it's not festive, not this time of year. My husband's gone, I'm all alone, and I'm not liking it. So I'm, I'm getting out of town. And I'm, our kids are coming over, and yet this beautiful, lovely woman wanting to get out because the pain associated with Christmas and the loss and we prayed for. Sometimes it's, it's, it's funny when somebody mentions, hey, I got this amazing thing happening. The association is not wonderful always for everyone. Also associated, just three more with Christmas. Amazon tracking numbers. I, where, where, where is that gift? My daughter wants that gift. I'm going to be in big trouble. Gift cards. You don't, have to, you don't have to buy presents anymore because there are gift cards. I love gift cards. And the last but not least is, you know, this, and again, my wife and I did this with a couple of couples recently. We went to a cinema and we saw the original version of Christmas Vacation with Chevy Chase. And you think, it's just, it, it was so wrong. You forget, it was just, you know. And then you're reminded, you're reminded I don't think there's anybody in my family that's an Uncle Eddie. There's not. There's no Uncle Eddie unless you. But it's a, it's a wonderful life. I, I try and just watch it once a year because I love it so much and I don't want to be um, overstimulated by the tears. It's just, I, I just, I love Christmas. I absolutely love it. There's so much that happens and, um, and I, I get that not everybody appreciates it, but I absolutely, I would sing Christmas carols year round. I would listen to them year round. Is that true, my sweet? Year round. That's how annoying I can be, just in that vein. <laughs> I love Christmas. And yet the reason why we do what we do right now, it has nothing to do with elves. Sorry, Katie. It has nothing to do with. <laughs> she hurt me. She cut me. She gut me deep donkey. That's a. Shrek, Shrek. I'm mixing my metaphors, sorry. <laughs> All these things, the F-150s, the, the gift cards, Amazon track, has nothing to do with why we actually celebrate in America, in the West, as we do. Because 2,000 years ago, as we all know, something happened, something amazing happened. Luke came up and, and read out of the scripture, and he was, the king of the universe came and humbled himself. Stepped off of the throne when he didn't have to. He, was, he had everything. He was perfect. And yet the king of the universe decided to come, sent by his father to express love and show love. Say, I don't have to grasp at being God. I want to show you what love looks like. Love looks like laying down your life and serving and loving people who have nothing, but you can give them something. That's obviously why we celebrate. And I'd like to read just two passages of scriptures this morning. First, uh, both, uh, actually all of them out of Luke, but two little chunks just for text and background. Luke 1, verse 26 through 38. And I pick Luke simply because it's, uh, a lot of this is the account of Jesus' mother Mary. She, she was there. And she's telling this Dr. Luke, she's giving him an account of what actually happened during this time. And in Luke 1, verse 26, reading from the NIV, the scripture says this, in the sixth month of 
Elizabeth's pregnancy, her relative. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Can you imagine those words from heaven coming to you? Amazing. I don't know if there's ever any better news to somebody. Out of all the people, out of all the women, out of all the potential people that could host the Son of God, you're highly favored, Mary. The Lord's with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words, the angel, and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great. He will be great. And will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. And his kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? And she was a, a very young teenager. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. Oh, sure, that makes sense. The Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Let me read that line again. This is Gabriel saying this to Mary. For no word from God will ever fail. And this beautiful young teenager's response, overwhelmed by an angel. I've never been in the presence of an angel like that that I was aware of, unfortunately. Her simple response, so beautiful, so perfect. Picture of why she found favor with God. Why, out of all the women on the earth, the Lord would say, that's the one. I can trust her. Her simple response is, that's, I, I, I don't understand, I can't be. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. A beautiful, pure, sweet, virtuous, kind, young, very young teenager. A virgin, the Bible says, engaged to be married to a great guy named Joe. Visited by an angel from heaven who announces, you're going to have a baby. The savior of the world is going to come through you. How do you process that? How do you even, what? It's, it's never been done. hasn't been done since. There's no grid for it. Oh, I remember Moses. No, no Moses was not born like that. No one ever. It's unheard of. It's unconscionable. It's unexplainable. I've gone over this, this text a few times over the last six years. What do you say to your mom? What do you, what do you say to grandma? 
You, just telling the story will multiply the problem. If you just keep it to yourself, she would have been better off by what everybody thought of her. But to actually tell the truth is going to mean grievous consequences to her reputation. How dare you blame this on God, little girl? How dare you? Her world was turned upside down an instant. She's thinking, honeymoon, new camel, <laughs> off into some beautiful rock, and we're going to have a great time in the desert. We're going to build a new mud thing with sticks. It's going to be a beautiful house. And yet God interrupts her life with change and challenge and unexplainable things and unavoidable things. She can't do anything about it. It is happening. Verse 28 again. The angel said to this young woman, this young girl, greetings, you who are highly favored. Highly favored. I wonder if she felt that over the years. Verse 31 through 33. You will conceive and you will give birth to a son. And you call him Jesus. And he will be great. Didn't say you're going to be great. The team is going to be great. He said he's going to be great. Verse 34, I, I, how can this be? It doesn't make sense, Lord. And verse 35, it's the Holy Spirit. He will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. You're highly favored. You're highly favored, Mary. Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. Just to round out the story here a little. Luke chapter 2, just a little further on. In those days, Caesar Augustus, man in charge of the country, issued a decree that a census, a headcount, should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place since Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone, everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child, Jesus. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And that's our story, that's Christmas, and that's what so many people think of at Christmas time. A little baby. Swaddling cloths? Is that a good thing? Yeah. It's been a long time since we swaddled anybody in our house. <laughs> Jesus, baby Jesus. In a manger. And so many people, that's Christmas. But the baby didn't stay in a manger. And the baby didn't stay a baby. The baby grew up. Because the baby didn't come just to stay a nice little cute Christmas story. That religious things happen. And F-150s get sold. Because this Jesus came to humble himself. To show God's love. But this baby 
and a manger and swaddling cloths grew up to accomplish the very reason for his coming. And we sang a couple of songs. This is um, rhetorical, so don't raise your hand, okay? Don't raise your hand. But sometimes in, in settings like this, you think, well, we're going to sing, you know, Hark the Herald Angels, Joy to the World. We covered a couple of them. But then we start singing songs about Jesus on the cross and rising from the dead. Hey, isn't that Easter? Did they get the song bliss? Did they mix it up with the Easter mix? Then why are we singing the Jesus and rising from the dead? Well, what's all that? The story isn't about a baby in a manger and swaddling cloths. The baby grew up. The purpose wasn't to be born and stay and remain a beautiful Christmas tradition for Americans. He came to die. He came to bring freedom. He came to bring you and me peace. He came to make peace between me and God and you and God, that I could actually know my Father in heaven. The Bible records as Jesus grew up so many interactions. It wasn't just to lay cute, a little Kodak moment and send it to you know, Aunt Elizabeth and Uncle John and all these people. So, oh, we have these wonderful mementos of baby Jesus in a manger. Because the majority of the story in the Gospels talk about what Jesus actually did with people as a grown man. Very little from 12, nothing basically from 12 to age 30. The real story is what he came to do. He showed up at weddings. No wine, social faux pas, amazing problem. Mary, mommy, gets involved. First miracle. The Baptists still hate it. If you're Baptist, it's okay. The man who told me about Jesus, I got saved. He was a Baptist, so I'm all good with Baptists. Very grateful for Baptists. But Jesus, at a wedding, out of wine, days of celebration, and Jesus turned Pots, stone pots, big pots. 120 to 180 gallons of alcohol. It's Christmas, it's good. Why would you do that, Jesus? Just go die on the cross. Just go because he's invested in my embarrassment. He's invested in my faux pas. He's interested in my feelings and your feelings. Where you're hurting, where you're embarrassed, he's interested. Because that's the kind of king he is and still is. The details of your life, my life. It means nothing to anybody else, but it's my daughter's wedding. And I'm humiliated right now. And Jesus steps into our social situations because he cares and he loves and he's amazing and he's good. That's the kind of king. That's why he came. Jesus met a woman at a well. She's been married five times. She's currently living with someone. So Jesus gives her the riot act, spells it out, calls her names. No, Jesus crosses racial boundaries, gender boundaries. Doesn't embarrass her. Doesn't chastise her. But what he offers her is life. What he offers her is conversation. What he offers is communication of heart. I know all about you, and I'm still talking to you with no stone in my hand. I'm not here to attack and accuse. That's this baby Jesus, no longer in a manger, no longer in swaddling cloths, all grown up. He walks into a town. There's a tax collector, a weasel, a liar, a cheat, a thief. 
instead of calling them out right there in front of the whole town, which is what he deserved, according to us. He looks up at the guy and says, hey, Zach, lunch. Got any tuna? (laughs) Calls him down, goes to his house, has lunch with the guy. The religious people are frothing. He's He's not even a good standing member of the church. You can't do that. Jesus says, watch me. I want people to know I love them. And I know all about their weaselness and their lying and their hypocrisy and how much everybody hates you. I'll love you. I'll talk to you. I'll come to your house. Baby Jesus, all grown up, encountered a woman, brought before him, caught in the act of adultery. Forgave her, offered her new life. Baby Jesus, all grown up. Jesus, walking along, raised children from the dead at their own funerals. This guy's what Jesus did. Baby Jesus, all grown up, not in a manger. Not in a manger. Not under a Christmas tree either. At the end of his life, Jesus condemned, hated by all the religious folks. They hated him so much because he was taking their power, taking their authority, taking the reputation, showing them. It's not about public persona. It's not not about image. It's about changing people's lives and loving them. Walking into their world when no one else will do it. Just, I'll walk into your world. I'll walk, I'll love you. I'll show you what my Father in Heaven is really like. You may not find it from the religious leaders, but I came to show you what love looks like. And they hated him. They put him on a cross. Not a wreath. They put him on a cross. They beat his back up. They thorns on his head. Pulled his beard out. Just destroyed his body. And they put nails in his hands and his feet and put him on a cross. A horrific, shameful death according to the day. And while he's up there, it's amazing. This man of love, this man of grace. All he's done is help people, love people, heal people. That's all he ever did. He looks down and these Guys are gambling because he has one really nice shirt. Probably flapped down. (laughs) He's got a seamless garment that's worth a boatload of money. A boatload. So the Roman soldiers say, don't tear that seamless garment. You know what we're going to do? It's worth so much, I'll take it. No, I want it. All right, we'll gamble for it. They're gambling at the feet of Jesus. But that's how much his one article of clothing was worth. They're gambling at Jesus' feet. So Jesus looks down at him. He's like, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They just put nails in his hands. and They know exactly what they're doing, but they don't know what they're doing. They're caught in stupid. They're caught in the moment. They're caught in sin. They're caught in greed. They're caught in lust. Jesus says, Father, don't, don't condemn them. Don't. They don't know what they're doing. If they knew what they were doing, they wouldn't be doing it. Forgive them, Father. I'd be so mad. I'd be, smote them. Old school word. It's like, they they don't get it. They They don't know God's love. But I'm here that they would know 
God's love. He looks at his mom, who is looking up at her baby boy. What have they done to my son? Mary's there at the cross, weeping. Can you imagine what's going on? It's not supposed to turn out like this. This can't be happening. She's looking up at her son, knowing it's, it's, this is the end. Jesus' best friend, John, one of the disciples, is sitting there. And, I mean, he, with his dying breath, he looks at his mom and says, Mom, John, take care of my mom. Son, John, behold your mom. I want to provide for you. I'm not going to be here anymore. I can't, but I want it to be emblazed. Is that a good word? Mm. I want it burned into your mind. With my last words, I, I loved you to my dying breath, and I'll provide you for the rest of your natural lives with each other because I care about you. I know. Always interested in the details. Got one thief on this side, one thief on the other, and I'll close with this. This thief is just railing at Jesus. You, most of us know the story. He's railing at Jesus. Mocking him, joining in with the, the leaders of the day. Save yourself, come off. If you're the son of God, blah, 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 blah. And the other thief understands He's heard about this Jesus. He's not like the rest. This Jesus actually is a good man. And the one thief recognizes, I'm getting what I deserve, but this guy doesn't. Jesus doesn't deserve it. And he just makes a plea. Just makes it, ask for help. I'm going to die. This is my last moment. Just ask for help. Jesus, please remember me. Because he knows he's about ready to die with this guy, Jesus. He's about ready to die. And Jesus, again, dying breath. Just one more. Just one more. Just one more person to know my love. And he looks at the contrite, the soft-hearted crook and knows he recognizes his own sin and shame and he needs help. And Jesus said, this day, this day, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Because that's why this baby grew up out of a manger, setting aside swallowing cloth, because he's not a baby anymore. He came for this, to express love and forgiveness and grace to me and you. He grew up. So I'll close with this thought for me and for you. There's so many people in this room that you know, you, you've known Jesus a really long time, and it's all good. And you know he loves you. You know he's for you. You've experienced his blessing, his mercy, his tender love a thousand times over. And we, that's why we come, and we still sing songs, even though we've known Jesus for so long. We still, you don't have to take him out, her out. It's okay. She's good. You're not, honestly, you don't have to take her out. It's Christmas. <laughs> I didn't bring any swallowing cloth, but please stay. If it's not bothering me, it can't bother them. They're good. I didn't even see it. it's Larissa, right? Oh, yeah. The light was reflecting off my scalp. Oh. Created a problem. <laughs> you know God loves you. 
but maybe you're here this morning for the first time, the third time. You're just here because Aunt Susie brought you, promised you some pecan pie, because that's true love. <laughs> promised you pecan lime, pie and good stuff later. Limes, is, limes are good on anything. And you're sitting here thinking, okay, please tell me he's winding up. Please. And maybe you recognize in this moment you need help. Just like a thief on the cross. Just like the woman caught in adultery. Just like the tax cheat. Maybe you recognize, maybe for the first time, you're not a perfect person. And you actually need help. Jesus is here to help. Jesus is here to express love. 42 or 3 years ago, I was on drugs. Really wrong relationships. I just... Just one quick story. Yes, I got one. That's all I need, just one. Larissa and Guy, thank you. Just recently, my wife and I went out to dinner at McGurk's in, in O'Fallon, and we're walking in, and I, I saw a group of four ladies, and one of them was a, a lovely lady sitting here, and sitting across from her was a girl that knew me when I was 15. Yeah, I know. 15, 16, 17, and 18. I never went to church. Ever. I was committed to not church. Really committed to not church. And my, she knew exactly what I was like growing up. She was dating my best friend, Dale Ascoli. And this lady, we're, so the, there's these four ladies, and I, weird, I'm talking to the ladies. And my wife is talking to the, one of the four. And so this lady, finally, she says, this lady in the corner, who I don't know her, she doesn't know me. She said, so you're the Kyles? And Randy says, yes, we're the Kyles. And I'm like, what? No. Why? <laughs> and then she looks at me and she says, so you're Tom? And I went, no. <laughs> Some call me Thomas. <laughs> Tommy. And she, and she said, she said, my name's Carrie. And her maiden name from 40 years ago. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I looked at her like, wow. And she looked at me like, whoa, whoa. You know, 40 years on, you know, different. And instantly I thought, this girl, woman, she knew what I was like. She, know, she knew my speech. She knew all my, how I treat her. Because she was the little church, she was the little church girl. She was sweet and kind and lovely, and I worked with her every day. I destroyed her world. She won, but I tried to destroy her world. And in that moment, you realize how good God is because she knew what I was like. Every other word coming out of my mouth, mocking Jesus, mocking Christians. And I was like, oh, Carrie, thank you for praying for me. <laughs> So maybe you're something like, I was very aware. I was never in the delusion. I'm going to go to heaven because I'm a good person. No, I'm running the other way, committed, going to hell. And Jesus broke in. And I just said, help. And Jesus broke in and changed my life. And so now a lady named Carrie, 42 years later, goes, whoa. Probably one of the last, you're a pastor? That's a question. That's legit. Got you there. 
Yes! <laughs> Maybe you recognize today, you're not a good person. You're really qualified for the love of God. Perfectly qualified for the love of God. Because the religious people put him on the cross. The religious people hated Jesus. The religious people killed him. Now he rose from the dead. It worked out great. But sometimes people think, oh, I could never. Oh, you qualify. It, it works beautifully for me. So I'm going to have, in just 60 seconds, I'm going to have everybody stand. Timey, go ahead. <laughs> Hang on just a second, the rest of you. Some of us can't count to 60. <laughs> or we count really fast to 60. <laughs> You're speed counters. Okay, what I was going <coughs> to, excuse me, what I was going to say was, there are some people in this room, in your standing, I want you on the inside to say yes. Consider saying yes to Jesus. I need help. Just like a thief on the cross, he recognized he was a long way from God. And he needed that man, Jesus. He needed his unconditional love and forgiveness and acceptance. And he said, help me. So in your standing, if you've already stood, you know you're that person. I need help. I'm going to pray with you in just a second so the rest of us can stand. For those people who need help and you know you need help, just pray with me under your breath, with me, not too loud, louder if you want. Jesus, I need help. I recognize I am not a good person. I've made so many mistakes and I want to change. I want a new opportunity. I want to ask for your forgiveness. I need hope and I need help. Please, will you come into my life right now, Jesus? Come into my life. I, I give you the car keys. I give you the, the steering wheel of my life. But please come into my life right now. Forgive me for all the wrongdoing I've done. I choose to trust in you, Jesus. I choose to trust in you dying on the cross that that blood that talks about forgiveness, I've heard about that, that that forgiveness works for me. And Jesus, I choose to believe that on the third day, in that song that we sang, you rose from the dead. And that someday, like the prayer of the thief on the cross, when you come in your glory, remember me. And Jesus' promise to the thief was, today you'll be with me in paradise. And Jesus, my, my hope, my prayer, my request, is that when you come again, I'll be with you in paradise forever totally forgiven, totally exonerated, white sheet, fresh start starting today. Jesus, I'm asking for a fresh start today. Please forgive me. I choose to trust you. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, it's more than just a prayer, but that's the start. You don't just walk into somebody's house, you knock on the door, you ring the doorbell. That's what we just did. It's a first step. But if you meant it in your heart, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you shall be saved. Now it's, if you want to be a baseball player, you got to buy a glove. You need a bat. You need to learn how to play baseball. Life as a Christian isn't just a one-time prayer. It's a lifestyle. But it starts right here, right today. Okay? So if you have prayed that prayer, tell somebody before you go, have an amazing Christmas, have an amazing week. For all, can I just pray for you real quick? Again, 30 seconds. I'm, this is a long conclusion. But there's, you'll, understand, you'll understand why I'm going to pray. Father, I pray for peace in every household over this Christmas. 
all the relatives coming in, the food, the preparation, the distraction. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? It's going to burn. I just pray for peace. Every household in this church, Lord, that people would smell and see and hear Jesus instead of anxiety and frustration and tension. The peace of heaven be on every home, mine included, over this Christmas season. In Jesus' name. Amen. Be blessed. Have an amazing day. Thank you. Thanks for checking out the Life Church St. Peter's Message of the Week. For more podcasts and additional information, visit us at lifechurchstpeters.com.